Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We are in week 16. Actually, it just finished up, so we're heading towards the last week of the season. We have most of the playoff spots already wrapped up, a couple uh, still out there to be claimed, one division title still available in the NFC, so really exciting stuff going into the last week of the season. We'll go over what happened this past weekend, and we're going to start with the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football, when what became a blowout, a surprising blowout in this game, the Seahawks defeated the 49ers 42-13 of a final score. There isn't one particular area that I wanted to point out and why the Seahawks won this game. I, I, to be honest, I think the Seahawks just outplayed the 49ers in all three facets of the game. Um, offensively, the Seahawks are clicking, I think, as good as anybody in the league, to be honest. Uh, um, this is the first game that I've seen of the Seahawks in probably uh, two months or so, definitely a few weeks, and you know, I see the scores against uh, the Cardinals and the Bills the last two weeks where they put up 50 points. And obviously that's impressive, but against the Cardinals, against the Bills, you you, you um, tend to hold your excitement, you know, a little bit uh, until, you, till, until you see them play a, a, pl- a playoff-type team and see how they do against them. But 49ers going to be a playoff team in the NFC. Uh, we're going to get a first-round bye until this loss. They took them to school. Uh, and um, for the 49ers, they've given up quite a few points in the last uh, five or six quarters. They had an, an implosion against New England where they almost lost the game. And then uh, the Seahawks put 42 up on their number one uh, scoring defense, which I think haven't looked at the stats of the the rankings of the defense, but they they might not be number one overall anymore, considering they've given up close to seventy five points in the last two games. But anyway, back to the four, uh, back to the Seahawks. Um, Russell Wilson, four touchdowns versus one interception, only threw for one hundred and seventy one yards, only completed fifteen passes on twenty one attempts. But the four touchdowns is what's going to stick out to you. Colin Kaepernick didn't play poorly. 19 of 36, 244 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, where this game really switched, I think, is in the, the beginning of the second quarter. Right at the beginning, uh, the Seahawks are already up 14 nothing. The 49ers were in the red zone, were unable to uh, score a touchdown, and attempted a 22-yard field goal by David Akers and was blocked, uh, which was picked up by Richard Sherman from the Seahawks and returned for a 90-yard touchdown. And what could have been a 14-3 score then became a 21-0 lead for the Seahawks. And that is really where the game changed in my mind. Uh, At halftime, it was 28-6, and this just never was a game. The 49ers are a team that wants to run the ball. 
They want to run the ball right at you and um, establish a, a strong running game and play good defense. And when they fall behind 21 to nothing, they are out of their game plan. You know, Frank Gore only ran the ball six times for 28 yards, a pretty good average. It had one good run of 18 yards. Colin Kaepernick ran it more times than Frank Gore. The the 49ers are not going to be successful, or they're they're if they are only running the ball 15, 20 times. They want Frank Gore to run the ball 15, 20 times, and then take whatever rushes Colin Kaepernick takes. Uh, I'm not saying that Colin Kaepernick's not a good passer. I'm not saying that he can't win a game for them if he ends up throwing it more than they run it. But the 49ers game plan is run the ball first. And when a team like the Seahawks uh, is able to play great defense and stuff that running game, it really takes the 49ers out of their game plan and it really throws them off. And it that to me is what made the difference in the game and obviously the big special teams play um, put them out of their game plan down 21 nothing you can't really run the ball as much as you really want to and the Seahawks dominated time of possession 35 minutes in this game if it was 14 to 3 I think uh, the 49ers would have had more of an opportunity to use Frank Gore run him um, in the the running game, obviously, but down twenty one nothing, it became twenty eight to three towards the end of the second quarter. Uh, it, there just was very little opportunity to get a running game going for the Forty ers and Colin Kaepernick had uh, an average to above average night, where he needed to to lead them to a big comeback, and that just wasn't going to happen against a good Seahawks defense. So, going forward. The, the San Francisco 49ers are st- still have a chance to win the NFC West. They have to win next week against Arizona, which Arizona's a team that's really been struggling. Uh, has about, I think, one win in their last ten games. So that's a, that's a very winnable game, to say the least, for the 49ers. And the Seahawks are going to be playing the St. Louis Rams. Obviously, all the teams around the league are ending with division games. Um. So I still look for the 49ers to win this division. Though what's interesting to know, which I think we talked about two weeks ago when I looked at the 49ers schedule, the fact that they beat New England is huge. It keeps them in line for the division. If they would have lost to New England, they'd be 9-5-1 and right now, and the Seahawks would be 10-5. and So the Seahawks would have uh, control of the division and their own destiny to win that. So in two weeks, the 49ers could have went from a first-round bye to a wild-card spot. But winning in New England um, kept them as the division leader, and I think they will win that division. Though if Green Bay wins, we'll, we'll talk about these scenarios later on the show, but if Green Bay wins against Minnesota, then... Green Bay will get the first round by the number two seed. Though Minnesota is fighting for a playoff spot, so you can't just say Green Bay is automatically going to win that game. It is in Minnesota as well. Adrian Peterson will be going for that rushing record, but I think more importantly, Minnesota, if they win, they're in the playoffs, and that's huge for them to think about. Even the other teams in that division, 
it was pretty clear from the beginning of the season that Minnesota was not going to contend with Green Bay, Detroit, and Chicago with the improvements Chicago made on offense and the hype that they were getting preseason. Minnesota was definitely uh, tossed aside as a team that's going to definitely finish in last and and they have an opportunity to finish, well, definitely will, will finish in front of the Lions, have an opportunity to finish in front of the Bears, and make the playoffs of quite an accomplishment for them if they can do it. Moving on, uh, we'll briefly talk about uh, the 4 o'clock game that I watched. The New York Giants went into the Baltimore into Baltimore to play the Ravens. This one wasn't much of a game either. Uh, the Giants... Simply putting it, a lot of people in the New York area are already saying that they've given up. And uh, how can they go from a 52-point beatdown of the New Orleans Saints just two weeks ago? That was two weeks ago. And um, lose so badly to Atlanta and now lose very poorly to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens look good, but I'm, I'm going to hold down my excitement on this win for the Ravens because of how poorly the Giants have played and how bad of a road team they've been. And this game was obviously in Baltimore. The final score, 33-14 to right away. Uh, I mean, Baltimore jumped out to a 14-0 lead in the first quarter. Um, David Wilson looked good. He's um, getting better each week, I would say. But again, as we've said a few times on this show, the Giants live and die with the performance Eli Manning puts up. And looking at Eli Manning's stats, 14 of 28, 150 yards, one touchdown, you know, Eli Manning has got to complete more than 50% of his passes if the Giants are going to win. And to only throw for 150 yards, it's interesting. Uh, the Ravens really held uh, Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nix intact. They only had three catches. Actually, Victor Cruz had three catches for 21 yards, and Hakeem Nix had no catches. So you take away those two guys, uh, it was you're you're playing phenomenal defense, I would say, and Eli Manning hit uh, Bennett and Hickson, uh, Martellus Bennett, Dominic Hickson, uh, Ruben Randall. Those were the guys he was targeting for most of the game because Cruz and Knicks were were blanketed. And one last thing I'm going to say from the Baltimore side, they. Um, Utilize Ray Rice in the way that I think Ray Rice should be. Uh, Joe Flacco had a good game, 25 of 36, 309 yards, almost a 70% completion percentage, two touchdowns, so he had an excellent game. But Ray Rice got him 24 carries, 107 yards. That's where his carry numbers should be, in the 20 to 25 range. And then as a receiver, he caught six passes for 51 more yards. So you're getting Ray Rice the ball 30 times in that game. That's where it should be. And I, I think that's an excellent job by new offensive coordinator Jim Caldwell uh, to get that. I think if the Ravens um, go deep into the playoffs, they need to suck as much as they can out of Ray Rice. And that'll give Joe Flacco confidence. And Flacco can do it. Flacco is inconsistent but when he plays well he is I believe he plays as well as any other quarterback in the league and he can take the Ravens where they want to go I I just wonder if the rest of the team this year is good enough for the Ravens to make a Super Bowl run Uh, obviously they're going to have to go on the road 
and and beat New England, which they couldn't do last year. They couldn't beat Denver last week at home, so they're going to have to go into Denver if they play them. And they they couldn't beat Houston. That'll there'll be a rematch with them uh, in Houston if they play them as well. So interesting stuff for Baltimore. Definitely a must need to win, and that gets them the AFC North crown. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the AFC North showdown for second place coming right up on Monday Morning Huddle. I'm of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops Listen and children listen to hear in the snow. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. You can reach me at my Twitter handle, DMHOLCOMB. You can also email me at my Gmail account, dmholcomb 6 at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Dave's Football News. There was a showdown in Pittsburgh between the Bengals and Steelers. If the Bengals win, they clinch uh, their second straight playoff appearance for the first time since 1982. And Pittsburgh just trying to stay alive if they win. They um, have the tiebreaker over the Bengals are in it, and are in position to get that sixth seed in the AFC, but they would have to win next week against Cleveland. Uh, and Cincinnati ended up winning this game 13-10 to with a last-second field goal in the fourth quarter. Missed opportunities for the Steelers. They had chances to win this game uh, many of time. The Steelers' defense played very well, uh, got three turnovers, uh, sacked Andy Dalton five times, actually six times, um, and essentially well, only gave up 267 total yards to the Bengals and essentially really only gave up three points in this game. Uh, the touchdown that the Bengals scored was uh, an interception return in the first quarter, uh, that uh, bad interception from Ben Roethlisberger that was returned 17 yards by Leon Hall. And um, the at the end of the game, the, the Steelers had the ball with about 20 seconds left. Ben Roethlisberger throws up a... It wasn't a bad decision, but he threw up a pass that just sailed on him, sailed over Mike Wallace's head and was picked off. And the Bengals ran one passing play for about 15 to 20 yards, got into field goal range, and Josh Brown made the 43-yard kick to win the game. Very sloppy play from really both teams, but um, the Steelers got to be disappointed that they lost this game. Ben Roethlisberger did not play well, 14 of 28, uh, 220 yards, uh, one touchdown, and the two interceptions, like I said, very costly interceptions. Um, earlier in, in the first half, uh, Sean Sweezum missed a chip shot field goal of about uh, 21, 22 yards. Think about if he would have won that, if he would have made that kick, very different end of the game. The, the Steelers would probably be running out the clock rather than trying to um, 
move into field goal range where Ben threw that interception. At the at the end of the fourth quarter, both teams attempted very long field goals of over 50 yards, and both uh, teams missed them. And uh, it looked like you know the other team would capitalize on the good field position. The Bengals actually kicked their 50-yard field goal first and missed. Steelers moved into field goal range of about 53 Sean Suizum missed, and then the Bengals were unable to move the ball. Steelers got the ball back, threw the interception, and then the Bengals eventually did kick that 43-yard field goal. Um, for the Bengals, this is a um, obviously it's a big win. It puts them into the playoffs. This is, I think, a franchise-changing win for them, and maybe a changing of the guard in the AFC North. I don't want to jump to conclusions. You know, the Steelers have had a really tough season with uh, Ben Roethlisberger's injury, a lot of just drama around Pittsburgh that they don't normally have to deal with, and adversity off the field, I think, that they don't normally have to deal with, and they're going to have to sort that out in the off season. So I don't want to count them out next year, obviously. They're, they're a franchise that's always in it. But... The Bengals really made a big, I don't want to call it a statement, or, or really took a big step forward as for their franchise on Sunday. They're, obviously, like I said, they're the, in the playoffs for the first time two years in a row since the early 80s. Um, so 30 years it's been since that. Um, the Bengals and Ravens could be the new... Uh, top class in the AFC North and we see that the the Ravens defense is getting a little older the Steelers defense is getting a little older although they still play well they're still ranked number one in yards allowed and passing yards allowed the Bengals are a very young team with Andy Dalton AJ Green had a big game uh, against the Steelers 10 catches 116 yards this is a team that I don't think honestly is going to go very deep into the playoffs this year. They were one and done last year. Depending on who they get, I guess they're going to end up, well, depending on who wins next week, they could get uh, Denver, they could get New England. More than likely, they're going to get New England. Um, could possibly get Houston, I, but I don't think they're honestly going to go far into the playoffs this year, but this is a team that we could see back in the playoffs uh, multiple times, where in the past, I think, so, sometimes it, we kind of um, thought that it was a fluke that the Bengals made it. They had just one good season, then the next year they go back to their, their bad ways, uh, only win five, maybe four games. But this is the year, the first time, obviously, they, they won uh, or Got a playoff spot last year, and then got another one um, this year, and are able. If they win next week against Baltimore, they they will pass their win total from last year. So this is a franchise moving in the right direction. And as I said, for the Steelers, this will be their worst record under Mike Tomlin in his six-year reign as head coach. Even if they win next week, they'll be eight and eight, and that'll be his worst record. Possibly might not even get a winning record if they lose next week. They'll fall to 7-9. and nine. They've really had a total collapse, and this team changed when Ben Roethlisberger was injured. And once again, you hate to say it, but this team lives and dies 
with Ben Roethlisberger, as so many teams do around the league with their quarterback. You just don't really expect it from this team who has such a great defense, traditionally can run the ball very well. They have good receivers, but the receivers and running game were were, were average at times this year, sometimes below average with the way they were coughing up the ball. The defense, although it's it was good this year, it was great this year, in most games it didn't get big plays. Uh, Sunday against the Bengals was the first time they had three takeaways all season. Six sacks sounds like one of the top sack totals they've had all year. Um, so they're not getting the sack totals, not getting uh, as many turnovers. It's tough to win when your quarterback and offense aren't playing as well to pick up that extra slack that the defense has given off just because they're getting a little older. So the Steelers definitely have some reevaluating to do. Big decisions on offense like Mike uh, is Mike Wallace going to come back, uh, Rashard Mendenhall with his antics this this past few weeks, will he be back on the team? Busy offseason probably uh, coming up in Pittsburgh. We'll look at the rest of the action around the league. Uh, on Saturday night, Atlanta clinched the number one seed against Detroit, 31-18. to But Calvin Johnson got the uh, receiving yards record for a single season. That seemed to be the bigger deal than Atlanta winning the game. Uh, we'll get into talking about Calvin Johnson in our next segment. Minnesota pulled off an upset, I think you can call it, in Houston, 23-6. to Arian Foster left the game with an irregular heartbeat, so there's some concern around Houston's best player, and they're slipping in the standings. Uh, could Might not get the number one seed if they lose next week to Indianapolis, although Indianapolis has wrapped everything up uh, that they can. They, they've already clinched a spot and will be the fifth seed. Minnesota, as I mentioned before, they can uh, get into the playoffs next week with a win, against Green Bay at home. St. Louis went into Tampa Bay and defeated them 28-13. Tampa Bay is slipping. They were 6-6, six and six, now 6-9. Six and nine. The Rams, very respectable, 7-7-1, seven, seven and one, have a chance uh, to, I don't know, if 8-7-1 count as a winning record? I don't think so. You've won the same number of games as you've not won. <laughs> so I don't think that would be a winning record. I don't know, but... It's, not, well, I guess I guess it's 500. Win percentage would be 500. That, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Uh, Washington went to Philadelphia and won that game. Huge win for the Redskins, 27-20, to and on a day that the Cowboys and, as mentioned before, the Giants lost. Uh, the Cowboys lost to the Saints at home in overtime, 34-31. to So the Redskins... Uh, had that tiebreaker with the the Cowboys, with a three-way tiebreaker with the Cowboys and Giants, but now are in sole possession of first place. There is a NFC East showdown next week uh, uh, in Washington. The Cowboys will be playing the Redskins. We'll talk about that in the next segment as well. Indianapolis went to Kansas City, clinched that playoff berth. As I said, they defeated the Chiefs 20-13. to New England uh, was sleeping in Jacksonville, but was still able to win 23 to 16. Miami won a game at home where they Miami actually would have still been alive if Pittsburgh had defeated Cincinnati, but uh, the Dolphins had been eliminated. The Bengals clinching that sixth spot. 
Dolphins could still get a 500 record if they win next week. They do play New England, though. Uh, the Dolphins defeated Buffalo 24-10. to In the probably worst game of the week, I'll just say it, come out and say it, Carolina defeated Oakland 17-6. to Cam Newton... Green Bay put a killing on Tennessee, 55-7. to Tennessee actually didn't score in that game till late. Uh, the woes continue for the Jets and their quarterback play. The San Diego sacks, uh, sacked Greg McElroy uh, 11 times and defeated the Jets 27-17. to Denver took care of business against Cleveland, 34-12. to Chicago went into Arizona and kept their playoff hopes alive by defeating the Cardinals 28-13. to That wraps up the action from Week 16. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with the fourth and long segment. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping And I brought me some corn for popping The lights are turned way down low Let it snow, let it snow Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're going into our fourth and long segment where I will say three statements and I'll either agree where I will grunt on fourth and long or disagree and punt the ball away. Our first statement, Calvin Johnson, who broke uh, Jerry Rice's single season receiving yards record of 1,848 yards. Johnson now sitting at 18. 192 receiving yards. My statement, Calvin Johnson will get 2,000 receiving yards this season and pass that mark the first time in NFL history. I'm going to grunt. I think he will. Uh, the pace that he's going uh, is ridiculous. Um, ridiculous pace. Uh, <laughs> um, and he only needs... 110 more yards to get to 2,000, which seems like nothing for Calvin Johnson. He needed 180 in two games, and he got that in one game. He exploded for 225 receiving yards against the Falcons, and there's there's no reason why Detroit won't feed him the ball. Um, Matt Stafford is going to pass the single-season pass attempts uh, mark of, I think, 708 set by Drew Bledsoe. Uh, so Stafford is going to get that. So, and you have to figure with a 4-11 and record, the Lions aren't playing for anything, that Calvin Johnson will get, will see the ball and get the ball enough to get 120 yards or so to, to pass that mark. Um, which is another thing I want to bring up uh, about, you know, te- we've seen teams in the past care more about records than actually winning. I'm not saying that the D- Detroit cares more about this record than winning games, but... What I, a lot of people were kind of upset with what John Gruden was saying that the record for Calvin doesn't mean as much because Detroit passes so much and they're behind in games trying to catch up. They're passing so much more than the 49ers did with Jerry Rice. He brings up a great point. I think Jerry Rice's record is more meaningful because he played on a winning team and because they didn't throw as much. Obviously, a lot of passing records today, though, are broken because teams and the NFL pass more but uh, to, to do it on a team that's 4-11 and to do it on a night where the team is getting killed and the media and Detroit 
as a whole really seem more excited to get the record than to win. You know, I think that just explains why Detroit is where they are. I think that's why they're a 4-11 and team. Their priorities aren't exactly straight. You can disagree with me, but I really believe that to be the case. Some teams just put individual records ahead of ahead of winning, to be honest. And I think that Detroit did a little bit of that on Saturday night. I'm not saying Calvin Johnson did, but I'm saying Detroit as a whole a franchise, I think, did a little bit. Moving into what is going to be a very interesting Rookie of the Year debate. Um, they were talking about it on Sunday Night Football with Russell Wilson. Um, my statement, Andrew Luck is the leader in the Rookie of the Year ballot voting. Uh, I'm going to punt that away. I don't know, <laughs> to be honest, who I would pick. You have Andrew Luck. Um, has thrown the most passing yards of all the teams, but has also thrown the most interceptions. You have Robert Griffin III, who is leading the Redskins to the playoffs, where they haven't been for a long time. Chant, well, don't want to jump the gun. They have a chance to make the playoffs with a win next week. Can still make it with a loss. And you also have Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, where he's leading them to the playoffs, which uh, they haven't been to in two years, but... Um, that that team was seven and nine, so really they're they're making the playoffs for the first time with a winning record in a while, and he has just been playing outstanding, outstanding. He gets better every single week, as they talked about on Sunday Night Football, and he has thrown the most touchdown passes of the three. So by all means, no, I don't. I do not think Andrew Luck is the leader in the ballot voting, or should be the leader at this point. Um, but I don't know which one I would pick. To be honest, I think I'd lean towards a Robert Griffin III or a Russell Wilson. And my argument is a little bit flawed because my argument would be the team, the two, those two teams, those two franchises haven't been to the playoffs in so long. But look at what Andrew Luck has done. He has taken a two and fourteen team and made them back into a playoff team in one season, one season, and. Maybe you can argue that the right pieces are there for Andrew Luck. Obviously, last year they were so bad because they couldn't find a quarterback, and their offense and their whole team surrounded so much around uh, the quarterback and the the quarterback play they got from Peyton Manning so many years. But still, to have a rookie step in and take a two and fourteen team a year ago, make them into a playoff team, it, it's been a great story for the Colts and the Redskins. I think the Redskins are a great story as well um, with Robert Griffin III. Which leads us into our last statement. The Washington Redskins will defeat the Dallas Cowboys next week and win the NFC East. I will grunt with that one. I think the Redskins are going to win the division. I kind of uh, already said that they're going to make the playoffs when I, when I was um, listing off uh, RG3's accolades. But um, I, I do think the Redskins will beat Dallas and, and win that, uh, that division um, and, and get the number four seed in the NFC and be in the playoffs for the first time for, in a while. That'll, that'll be an exciting thing for the city of Washington. Uh, the way, ways that it, Dallas 
and the Giants can still get into the playoffs. Dallas will get in if they win. They will win the division with uh, have a tie break. They will have the tiebreaker with the Redskins, and they will win the division at nine and seven. Of course, they've already lost to the Redskins, so they have a tough game in front of them. Obviously, going trying to beat Washington on the road. The way the Giants make it into the playoffs is a little bit more complicated. They cannot win the NFC East. And they're actually hoping that the Redskins beat uh, Dallas on on Sunday because if Dallas wins, they are eliminated. And let me explain why. The, the Giants also need Minnesota and Chicago to lose. We mentioned Minnesota is in with a win against Green Bay. Chicago is in with a win against Detroit and a Minnesota loss. So this this is where it gets a little complicated. The Giants need both those teams to lose, the Vikings and Bears, but they need the Redskins to beat the Cowboys, and then if the Giants win, they will get the sixth seed. So they cannot win the division, and if Dallas wins, Dallas wins the division, and then Washington will get the sixth seed if Minnesota and Chicago both lose. So if again, if Dallas wins, they're eliminated. If Minnesota or Chicago wins, the Giants are eliminated. So it looks more than likely that the defending Super Bowl champs will not be able to contend to repeat uh, this season. They need a lot of help. On Sunday again, they need Washington to beat Dallas. They need Dallas to lose, and then they need Minnesota and Chicago both to lose too. And don't forget, they need to win their game as well, which isn't a gimmick against the Eagles. The way the Giants are playing is not a gimmick. The game will be at home, and they're a different team at home. But um, they need all that help uh, that I I just explained. So we're going to take one more quick break, then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. It's the most wonderful. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Once again, you can reach me at my Twitter, DMHOLCOMB, at my email account, DMHOLCOMB06 at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Facebook, search in the toolbar, Dave's Football News. I'm going to reference an article that I actually wrote uh, for yesterday. Um, Sunday was the 40th anniversary of the greatest play in NFL history, the Immaculate Reception. Um, Franco Harris was at Heinz Field. The game, the the play didn't happen at Heinz Field, but uh, in the parking lot actually, where Heinz Field is, at Old Three Rivers Stadium. Uh, very memorable play. It was a nice moment to have Franco there at the stadium. Too bad for the Steelers that they couldn't have a second immaculate reception and win against the Bengals and keep their playoff hopes alive. So it was a, the day was a little spoiled by that. But. Um, it's a historic moment. The the play happened on December twenty third, nineteen seventy two. That that won the first Steelers uh, playoff game in their franchise history. And uh, I wrote an article about that and the play and the significance in NFL history. You can check it out on footballnation.com. I hope you enjoyed our Christmas music. I tried to provide a little holiday cheer in the episode this week. 
But that's all we got. I, I wish everybody happy holidays. Hanukkah's already happened, but I hope everybody had a good Hanukkah. Merry Christmas to everybody that celebrates his, uh, Christmas and anybody else celebrating other holidays. Happy holidays to Just you. Just roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos.